Welcome to Sound DeFi. I'm your host, Chris Berg. Very excited today. We've got the CEO of Invenium Asset Management, Jeanette Spaulding, a great background. She was with BlackRock as an analyst, obviously understands institutional investing, sovereign wealth funds. So Jeanette, great to see you again. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Chris. It's great to be on the show. So a lot happening as you look across through the macro economy, right? In this crypto winter, the feds came out and raised rates, 75 basis points this week. I mean, the most since like 1994. I know this is not financial advice, but you've got a vast experience. Just what do you see throughout the economy right now? Where do you see things going in the crypto space, DeFi space and the overall economy? Yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing now is just a general risk off environment. You know, we see this in in tech stocks where a lot of tech stocks are falling and just equities in general. And of course, that's also impacting what's happening in the world of digital assets. So digital assets are seen as as being still very risky. So the perception is that we we have assets that are backed by risky ventures. And so in, in this kind of environment, people are just taking some of the risk off, which means that we are seeing asset prices falling across multiple sectors, across digital assets and equities. I think, though, that the the bigger story here, though, is, is the, the fact that we are seeing a lot of correlation between what happens in digital assets and what happens in, in traditional financial markets, which some people have kind of taken that and, and run away with that as a story that, you know, well, a lot of times digital assets are presented as a nice way to have a diversified portfolio. Maybe that's not the case, but I don't quite see it that way um, myself. And again, this this is not financial advice, but I, I am of the personal opinion that when we look at digital assets, we do still see a lot of ways to diversify um, across a portfolio through different uh whether that's through tokens or investments in equities that are exposed to digital assets, uh, we still see a lot of opportunities actually in the space. And right now might be a great time um, to actually get exposure to the space because things are bottoming out. You know, we're probably going to be seeing additional rate hikes from the Fed. At least that's what, you know, a lot of us are hearing. And so markets are probably going to kind of stagnate at, at this bottom for a while. So there's no rush to kind of go out and take positions on things at the moment. But when we are seeing uh, prices kind of starting to bottom out, this is actually the time when a lot of asset allocators would say, okay, now is actually the time to, to go in and start exploring different risk on investments for those who are in a, a position to be able to allocate assets to, to risky assets. And there's a place for risk in every portfolio, you know, just because we might be kind of looking at a recession in the US or you know we're seeing a slowdown in global growth it doesn't mean that portfolios are automatically going to revert to 100% bonds that's just not realistic because there's not enough yield uh from from a, a fixed income portfolio to make that a realistic um kind of decision for for portfolio management so no matter what we're going to see asset allocators wanting to take some semblance of risk, some amount of risk. And risk isn't a bad thing because risk generates yield and risk generates returns. So it, now it's just a matter of being uh, basically being able to take expertise and rely on experts in digital assets to get the right exposure to the right risk so that your, your risk adjusted return remains high. Uh, and so that you're actually getting compensated for the risk that you're taking, which is what a lot of 
you know, people in novices in investing kind of take, um, they, they get that part wrong where they're just thinking, you know, any risk is good risk. But actually what you want to do is you want to make sure you're being compensated for the risk that you're taking on. And that's why we have, you know, experts in, in the investment space and in the digital asset space that know, you know, okay, well, this risk is going to be well compensated. So, um, you know, we, we should be diversifying across these spaces where your ability to take risk is actually going to be compensated. I think everyone can appreciate, hey, there's going to be some risk, obviously. And, and I'll give you a prime example, just sort of what you are hearing since you're in Miami, really the hub of crypto and DeFi and blockchain, if you will. Um, Kevin O'Leary was recently on CNBC and he says, look, you know, crypto's new. But remember, Amazon, when it first started, had these 20 to 30 percent, maybe 40 percent fluctuations. And that was year to year. So he was sort of making this analogy. So I guess what I'm curious to hear from you is in the crypto space, Again, not financial advice, but number one, what are you hearing being in Miami, being in this hub? Is there a lot of timidity or people sort of feeling bullish and excited because the opportunities you mentioned and best guesstimation, what are some industries or companies right now in this industry that could potentially be the next Amazon? Yeah, so the nice thing about being kind of on the ground in a crypto hub like Miami is that you do get a really uh, close, you can kind of take the temperature up close in real life, IRL, you know, with people to see, okay, are projects still getting funded? Are people still building? And what I've seen is that people still have as much excitement for the projects that they're building. And luckily what we saw, you know, in the past six to nine months is that a lot of projects in DeFi, in digital assets, in blockchain got their funding, you know, so, so we have projects that are already well-funded, they have their runway, they can weather, you know, a, a hype cycle and a bust, which is kind of exactly what, what just happened. And they're like, okay, now is the time to build. So that's what makes me even, that's what makes me most excited and, and most hopeful about the Web3 and digital asset space right now is that a lot of these companies and, and projects did the really smart thing of knowing that crypto tends to be cyclical. So that's what we keep seeing. You know, we keep seeing the big bull runs and then the busts and everyone knew that this is going to happen. It was just a matter of, of when, when is the next kind of, you know, downward bottoming out going to happen. And now, now that we know, okay, this, we're probably in it right now, but luckily um, a lot of the really smart projects have already got their war chest and they're just going out there and building. And, you know, we actually, there's a saying in the industry that, you know, when we have bear markets, that's the best time to build. And so that's what we're seeing right now. I mean, I was at the permissionless conference a few weeks ago and the excitement was was still just as palatable as it was, you know, six to nine months ago when we were at the height of, of the bull, of the peak of the bull market. And people are still just like, okay, now's when we work. Now's when we actually build the products um, that are going to kind of take us into that next cycle, which hopefully won't be a hype cycle. I mean, we don't want things to kind of get out of control and, and people pumping up prices, but we do want that healthy growth, you know, and we want people supporting these projects. And just on that note, you know, we saw DeFi. So in 2020, we had DeFi summer, which was when we saw a lot of different DeFi projects come to the fore. Like we had Aave and Compound and all and Curve and all of these sort of DeFi protocols that are powering the next generation of decentralized finance where, where people can get access to financial services in ways that they couldn't get access to that before. 
But all of those projects built during crypto winter, during the previous crypto winter, which happened in, you know, kind of from the end of 2018 to 2019 um, to kind of the beginning of 2020. And then DeFi summer came and that sort of broke us out of the crypto winter. But that was only possible because we had the builders kind of doing their thing and putting their noses to the grindstone and kind of creating those new technologies while we were in a crypto winter, you know, in terms of what asset prices were doing. So for me, um, I see this as projects are going to use this time to build without distractions, because a lot of times when you have the hype, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of like chasing, trying to chase prices up and FOMO, fear of missing out and all of that. But now that we've taken a lot of the hype out of that, the developers can develop, you know, the community builders can build their communities. And we're just going to have much healthier dynamics in terms of where we're creating value, which is building companies, building technology and building communities. Any particular company that jumps out to you? I mean, again, I'm not saying that you're going to know the next Amazon. And maybe you do. If you do, please tell us, right? But any like sort of tech or, or industries, companies, you're like, hey, look, keep your eye on that. So I think in terms of, you know, what's coming up next in the immediate, we see NFTs as continuing to, to be a theme uh, and continuing to capture the public imagination. So that in and it's funny because NFTs were something that kind of represented almost the height of the hype cycle. But now as things are calming down, you are starting to see a few NFT projects that are still going, you know, going viral, seeing a lot of success because they are actually uh, really focused on providing value to their communities. And whether that means providing in real life experiences or creating a way for people to get access to certain benefits, member. So basically it's kind of like a membership club or even, you know, the, the area of data NFTs, which is a very, very new kind of field of, of exploration and something that Invenium and its subsidiaries are, are involved in fleshing out, you know, this idea that data can actually be encapsulized in an NFT. So I, I think that this is one of this, the areas where we'll use this time to kind of build and be able to, you know, when the next bull market comes, we'll be really primed to see a lot of uh, the more interesting uses of technology via non-fungible token, which at the end of the day is just another form of smart contract. And kind of going back to what I was saying about the hype cycle, once we stop seeing things as, you know, oh, well, people were, were obsessed with NFTs of, of pictures or comics or cartoon characters. Once we kind of take that out of the equation, chain and digital assets is that the underlying technology always exists. It always exists to make processes more efficient and effective and connect people in ways that they have never been connected before in a trustless or trust minimized manner. And so anything that is really focused on data, on, you know, maximizing people's abilities to interact with each other in a peer-to-peer -peer fashion. That's what I think is going to really, you know, take center stage during the next hype cycle. So let's talk about that in the context of obviously Invenium and how Invenium fits in and then tokenization from a standpoint where, you know, you see rates going up, money's not going to be as cheap. There may not be as much liquidity flowing around. I don't think we get a second or even a big, you know, build back better past, if you will. So how, how do you see tokenization and DeFi playing to have maybe, you know, some real estate investors or some people be able to have access to more liquidity and where does Invenium fit into that? Yeah, I think that that is a, you know, it's a really key 
to the story of decentralization and why blockchain is such a revolutionary technology is this idea that by being able to interact with each other and trust minimized environments, we're actually opening up uh, people's ability to transact with one another in more, you know, in more decentralized ways. So we're kind of removing a lot of the barriers that people have traditionally had to, say, investing in real estate. That, and that's just one example, but in investing in any kind of asset, but say, you know, for folks who maybe never even imagined that they could be real estate investors, and this is something that they've always kind of dreamed about getting involved with, but it seems either it's, it's very, um, you need a lot of capital to do that, or they're not the kind of person to be a real estate investor. Um, all of those barriers are kind of getting completely cleared away by decentralized finance and by uh, asset tokenization, because now there are so many projects out there that are tokenizing their, tokenizing their buildings, they're tokenizing the cash flows associated with the buildings. And by tokenizing, which means basically they're, they're fractionalizing the building and then making the fractions of that building or the rights to the, the profits generated by that building, they're fractionalizing that. And people can hold that fraction of ownership via a token, which means that I could, for example, have a token that represents one thousandth of a building so all of a sudden, that seems really attainable to a lot more people than the traditional uh, real estate investors. And we also have a lot more uh, onboarding platforms that are going to everyday people and saying, okay, yes, this is, you know, this is something that is accessible to you. And not only is it accessible, but it might also be fun in some cases, which kind of going back to what I was mentioning before about the NFTs, I think that's one of the strong suits of Web3 is that it's taking away a lot of the intimidation factor behind investing, behind you know taking control of your financial future. And it's making it not only attainable, but fun for people so that they want to get involved in this and they want to be able to kind of put together different real estate tokens and see how they can create their own portfolios in doing so. And then uh, the role that Invenium plays in that is a critical role in that in order to actually be able to trade real estate tokens or uh, any asset that's been tokenized, you need to know the value of the asset. And for a digital asset or a digital currency, like a Bitcoin or Ethereum or anything that kind of trades on an exchange in a, in a very liquid manner, it's easy because the, the value, the price is just kind of like it's the last price that this digital asset traded at. However, for tokenized assets, and when you have that token, it's not trading as frequently. So it's, it's hard to assess really what the price should be without the data. So you need the data in, in the form of, for example, if we're talking about a, a building of a you know apartment building that's generating rent, you know there is a thing called a rent roll that basically shows you how much revenue that that apartment building is generating for its owners. That goes into letting people know what the value of a building is. There are appraisers that will come and you know appraise the building. So human beings that come, but then they they publish reports. Usually those reports are not accessible to the public. However, um, that data from the report can be parsed and it can be fed into a valuation model on the Invenium.io platform. And then that data can be used to go into the price of a token. And it can be done such that only the people who will need to know the information, need to know that data, will be able to see it. So it's not like, you know, opening up all the data for, for all of the world to see, because that would be a very big change for the real estate industry. And that would be a very, very big shift in how things are done, because things are traditionally not that transparent. But this is sort of like on the spectrum of transparency. 
we're getting to more transparency where, you know, the token holders or potential token holders of a building can start to get a picture of the data around the building because that data is feeding into these pricing models and allowing these assets in the form of tokens to be priced and and really um, allowing for a real-time trading. So you uh, an asset is always ready to trade. A tokenized asset is always ready to trade and a buyer can always find the price for a token, which if anyone who is familiar with the, the real estate industry, usually it doesn't work that quickly. So, and this also adds to the, the democratization factor because if there's an investor who's not locked in to their token, that they can go on a secondary market and trade that token at any time, all of a sudden, they don't have to be as scared of getting locked into their position. So again, that just makes this investment more attainable for people who never maybe consider themselves to be um, the kind of person to make this kind of investment. They have more transparency now and more liquidity. And that's all being driven by this, you know, this foundational data layer that the Invenium.io platform is providing. So I've got some colleagues that have got some real estate properties they are thinking about tokenizing them. Do you have any particular case studies or success stories that you can point to to go, hey, look, this is how these guys tokenized, how they created some liquidity out of it? Yeah, so one of the big success stories in Miami is a is a property called Thesis, which is a resort property, and you know it was a, a major deal that happened this year and was successfully tokenized. And basically, it's it's kind of a success story because it blends the real world of okay, they used a REIT structure, so they had you know their real estate experts that are structuring this in a way that's familiar to traditional real estate investors, but then also letting other people, others, other participants access this investment via a a tokenization structure as well. So it's really like a blending of the two worlds. And I think for the time being, we're going to see a lot of that blending of kind of these traditional deals that are structured in a traditional way, but then there's a component of it that's also offered to a larger segment of of the populace. And then eventually we'll see that go even further where you'll just kind of see a lot more of these deals that are just kind of like tokenization offerings, like right off the bat and from the start, but it's gaining momentum. So the industry is still very nascent. So a lot of these, it's kind of like we use the old rails and kind of like port them onto the new rails, new blockchain rails. But soon we'll we'll see a lot more projects that are just automatically going on the new blockchain rails. So can you repeat the hotel again? And what was their yeah, option? Jesus. Were they just trying to raise financing for the project or what were they trying to do? Yeah, they were, um, I believe they were, I mean, I don't know the details of the deal because I wasn't personally um, involved in, in that deal, but I believe they were uh, refinancing, if I'm not uh, incorrect, but I, I'm not 100% sure on that one. Fascinating. All right, I've got about 60 seconds left. I'll give you the last word. Jeanette, anything else you want to add or share? Um, no, just that I think that in terms of market outlook, even though things seem a little scary, I think as long as we look at the underlying foundation of things, look at where people are building, what projects people are getting excited about, there's still plenty to be optimistic about. And I'm really looking forward to like the next year or two, because I know some excellent projects are going to come out of this bear market. Great stuff. Again, Jeanette Spalding, CEO of Invenium Asset Management. Thank you for the time and the insight always. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Chris.